was talking to somebody this week who um, has just joined the Scouts. Uh, in fact, they were going along to the Scouts uh, hut just over there, and they came in on the way back uh, to tell me about it. Uh, I wonder what, what happens uh, when somebody joins the Scouts? What, what difference does it make? I'm sort of looking at Miles, because he's the only person in the room that I know who is a Scout. Uh, but I guess there'll be lots of us who have been Scouts, or Cubs, or Brownies, or Guides. Uh, what happens when someone becomes a Scout? This might be a trip down memory lane for some of us. I was, I was never a Scout. You get enrolled. Get enrolled. Uh, that's right. And what, what happens when you get enrolled? So, you make a promise. That's right. Uh, you might. This particular boy that I was talking to, he popped in. It was he was having a, a taster. So you go along for two or three weeks. You have a bit of a kind of taster, uh, and then if if it's for you, uh, then you sort of throw yourself in, and you go along each week, and they give you your uh, shirt or your sweatshirt and your your scarf and your woggle, and um, uh, and and off you go. You're a scout. What difference does it make? I, I guess week by week. Uh, every Friday night, they all gather in the scout hut next door. That's what they do. It's kind of a, a hobby, a, a pastime. It's what they do. Uh, what happens if someone joins a, a gym? I think we might have a picture. It's interesting how they sell gyms, isn't it? Uh, lots of these kinds of photos. Um, anyone here joined a gym recently? Who wants to admit it? Everyone here joined a gym doesn't go anymore, but they can remember what happened when they did. What do you think? So you pay, you pay your subscription, which is not the same as going, is it? In my um, what, what, what else happens? What, what difference does it make if you remember gym play? So again, there's like an induction, I guess, uh, somebody who usually looks terrifyingly healthy, uh, shows you how all the different machines work. Um, uh, what, what other things happen if you carry on going to the gym? What's that? You skipped your sessions. There, 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 that's the sort of honesty we're looking for, yeah. That, that's the world I live in, anyway. Yeah. But it's interesting how, how gyms kind of sell themselves. The idea is there's a before and there's an after. Before, you rock up kind of a little bit sort of podgy around the middle um, and, and maybe a slightly out of breath after you've done the actions in a kid's song. Um, and after you've been going to the gym for a while, supposedly there's this change and you fit into outfits that never used to fit before. It, it kind of makes a, a difference, I guess. Uh, but most of the people would see uh, going along to the gym as uh, a hobby, a grown-up hobby, just in the same way that being a scout is maybe a, a hobby for kids. It's a pastime, it's something you do. And maybe it filters out in the rest of the week. You might be able to run and catch the bus. But it's just a pastime. What happens when someone becomes a Christian? What kind of difference does that make? Uh, lots of people might say, well, actually, it's just like being a scout or just like going to the gym. It, it's a hobby, it's a pastime. Uh, some people like going to cinema, some people like going to the gym, some people like meeting together, having a bit of coffee, singing a bit. You know. If it works for you, that's great. It's a pastime. Uh, some people might go a bit further. They say, well, uh, church is, is 
promising to, to deliver something, whether that's community, a group of people who love you, and that's nice to have, or whether it's delivering moral improvement, whether it's delivering some kind of purpose or direction or comfort in life, that's nice to have if that's for you. It's not for everybody. It's kind of a hobby. It's a pastime maybe with a bit extra. That's what lots of people in the world would say, I guess. Lots of people I know who wouldn't call themselves Christians would say that. It may be actually that lots of Christians would say that. It kind of works for me. It gives me a bit of a sense of direction. Maybe helps me in some of my decisions. But in many ways, it's, it's small. It's got a compartment. It's got a kind of box in my life. Not much more than that. Uh, often the way we talk about Christianity is very centred on us, what it gives us. It gives me uh, comfort or a sense of purpose or direction or, or whatever. Which tends to make it quite small. Uh, in these bits, uh, these few sentences uh, from the Bible we're looking at this morning, uh, Paul is telling us what a difference it makes to be a Christian. Uh, and for Paul, it is huge. Uh, for Paul, the, the kind of before and after picture is vast. Uh, two things I want to see uh, together just quickly. The first is this. Uh, Christians, says Paul, they were dead. But God has made us alive. As uh, you see that, there's the very, uh, beginning of verse uh, 4 that Demi read for us. Uh, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead. In transgressions. The before picture, dead. After picture, alive. Makes a big difference. See what Paul's saying? Now, it may well be, particularly if you weren't here last week when we were thinking about what it means to be dead, it may well be thinking at this point, well, what are you talking about? Before I became a Christian, I wasn't dead. Uh, the way Paul's talking about deadness is that God is the source of life. And when we reject the God who is the source of life, when we cut ourselves off from him, that leads to death. It's the only place it comes. Uh, we talked about it uh, before, I think, as uh, being like cut flowers. Uh, they look great for a while, but they're on borrowed time because they're cut off from the source of life. They will perish. They're dead. You can think about it as a Christmas tree. Christmas trees, when we buy them, when you can pick them up from Ikea or wherever you can get them cheap, um, they, they look good for a little while, but they're cut off from the source of life. They're on borrowed time. They are perishing. And by the time you get to uh, the 12th day of Christmas, you can, you can start walking down Walls Lane, and it's, it's like a Christmas tree graveyard, because they're all brown. They're dead. Paul says, if you're cut off from the God who uh, is the source of all life, then then you may feel like your flowers blooming in a vase, or you may start to feel the needles dropping. But either way, Paul says, we're dead. And our future is heading only one way. Now, I've got a picture here of a tree. What, what kind of tree is that? Oh, look, what kind of fruits are they? So they're apples. Is this a yellow apple tree, or is it a red apple tree? That's weird, isn't it? That's weird. What you can do with trees is you can graft a branch. So if you, if you cut an apple branch off a tree, 
then it's dead. It's only heading one way. It's cut off from the source of life. But if you know what you're doing, you can take that branch to an apple tree and you can do what's called grafting it, which is almost like sticking the branch back into the tree. And when you do that, the branch, once again, is connected to a source of life. And it can be fruitful again. So here, somebody's taken a, a branch from a red apple tree that was dying, it was cut off, and they've grafted it in to a new tree. So now that branch is fruitful, it's alive, it has a future in a way that it never did before. Paul is saying, what's the before and the after picture for the Christian? Before you were dead, but after, you're grafted back into the source of life. You have a future. Ben, I need you. Brilliant. Uh, ben, if you can lie on this table here. Let's imagine for a moment that Ben is um, a dead boy. Okay? Uh, his heart has stopped. I get a um, defibrillator. His heart's not okay, so uh, I, I should have had your and that's done. So um, it's sort of charging, charging, there are medics here. Charging, charging. Clear. I think he's dead. Charging, charging, clear. Charging, charging, clear. Okay. And if, if it's worse, if that sort of zap has restarted his heart, then, then it's alive. I'm no expert in these things. Uh, there, there are folks here who I guess have done their, their sort of doctor's rotations in the army. My guess is nobody has ever had their heart started with a defibrillator, sat up and gone, well, I've had time. I was beginning to think I was the only person doing anything. I, I imagine nobody's ever sort of come back to life again, been given new life by a defibrillator by a doctor, and then gone, you didn't need to worry. I had it all under control. Because when you're dead, you don't have it all under control. And you're not doing it. You can't help yourself. You need something from outside to come in with the power to give you life. And when somebody does that for you, I do say thank you. See, it says at the very end of verse 5 there. Can someone read it for me?
And when God does that for us, we just say, thank you. Now, if we don't grasp this, if you don't get an understanding of just what a difference this makes, what this before and after picture is, what is going to happen? We'll think that becoming a Christian is a small thing. Five. 
Let's pick things up in uh, verse 6 of our reading, which again would be helpful to be able to uh, see. Uh, Paul's mentioning this, the kind of before and the after picture of the Christian life. Uh, before we were dead in transgressions uh, and sins, we were following, he says in verses 2 and 3, all kinds of uh, forces and powers in the world. We were following the cravings and desires of our hearts. Uh, we were spiritually dead. And like a dead fish just goes with the current, we were following after all sorts of things just being blown around. That was the before picture. And the after picture then is the life of Christ. We think that's brilliant. But actually, in all kinds of areas of life, I've lived the before, and then I've lived the after, and then actually I've found myself back in the before. I've joined the gym, and I had that original spark, and I was up for it, and I went every morning, And then I start to miss my sessions, and then my only connection to the gym is that I was paying my subscription. And then it just all peaked. I've, I've been on those diets where you, you, you realise you're not in shape for the beach, and, and you sort of, for a while, you go break up. And then you get back from the holiday where you ate quite a lot, and you just keep it up. I've got a good friend who. He's not quite half the man he used to be, uh, but he's lost four, four and a half stone uh, from Easter until today. Uh, so he came and visited us on, on Thursday evening, and, and he's had to buy a whole new wardrobe. Lots of loads of weight. The, the, the kind of before and after picture for this guy, it, it's remarkable. If you haven't seen him for five months, you, you, kind of, you wouldn't necessarily recognise it, surely. Now, what does he do with all the clothes that don't fit him anymore? Does he throw them away? What's, what's going to happen in a year or two years? Is, is it going to be back where he was before? Is he going to go from the before picture to the after picture to the before picture? See, we know that we that change is hard. We know our hearts are fickle. And we can go break down to something for a little while. We can a spark and something from outside ourselves, but then we just go back to the way we were before. And for Paul's readers, they understand that when it comes to the spiritual life, it's hard. It's no different to the gym or, or a diet in that respect. They, they realised that before life they were oppressed and subject to all kinds of forces. And now that they've been made alive with Christ, those forces, they're still there in the world. The, the desires of their hearts, they haven't been completely transformed yet. All, all those things that would drag them back into the before, they're still there. So the question is, this is great for that this new life is so different, but am I going to get to keep it? Or am I going to be dragged back into the before? Let's look at verses uh, 6 and 7. Paul says, it's not just that you're made alive with Christ. And there's more than an and. Verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms uh, in Christ Jesus. Christians are raised up with Christ. Why is that? Uh, end of chapter 1, we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were told that Christ had been raised. 
And where he been raised to, the heavenly realms, where he was above every power and ruler and authority and dominion. Everything was under his feet. Which means that nothing was going to tear Christ down. He's in the place of honor and glory now, the Father's right hand. He is there. Right. And now Paul says, where are you Christians if you're in Christ? Yeah, you're made alive with him, but you are raised with him. You are where he is, above every power and authority and dominion. Which means all those old things from the before, all those things that used to squash you and oppress you, all those things that you used to follow and you were powerless to overcome, you're over there. They are under Christ's feet. He's over all of us for the church. So, Christians, if you're worried that you're going to be dragged back into the before picture, Paul says, know that that's not where you are anymore. That's not who you are. This new life that Paul says we've been given in Christ is not a life we're going to lose. And that is good news. That is good news if you're not yet a Christian and you're thinking, but actually, I've been on fire, and I've joined the gym, and I've tried other things before, self-improvement programs, all kinds of things. And they've worked for a while, but then the zap, the spark has gone, and I've been back where I was before. I know my heart. I know I'm fickle. Why is the offer of the Christian faith going to be here? And Paul says, yeah, change is hard. It takes a miracle. And that's what the gospel delivers. What you need is the power of God to give you life where you are dead and to keep that life going. And if you're grafted into Christ, you get that. If you're thinking, I'm not sure I can do this on my own, the answer is you can't. And you don't have to. Because the power of God. And He can. It's good news if you're not yet a Christian and you're thinking, I'm not sure I can do this. It's good news if you are a Christian. And you're struggling. If you're thinking, actually, you know what? I, I don't have the kind of spark that I had when I first came alive in life. I find it a struggle. I find the, the pull of all kinds of things that were in my life before, they still exert a power on me. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to keep going with this. The encouragement here is that it is God's power that will keep you. And you are over all those other powers. Because Christ is over and you're with him. He's saying this new life that we've been given in Christ, it is unlosable because we've been raised with uh, And if you're looking for one last quick guarantee, uh, well, we get it there in verse uh, 7. Uh, just glance down with it. Uh, why has God done all this? Why has he raised us up the cross? It's for something that he's still planning to do. But so he's done it in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness towards in Christ Jesus. That is a very long and fancy way of saying he's doing it so that he can show people how kind he is. Uh, here's his chat. better? They call him the goat. Anyone know why they call him the goat? <laughs> so, 
Nothing to do with Turkey, okay? Greatest of all time. Go. The greatest of all time. There's one more woman than there's anybody. Who's the ghost? There he is, standing with his uh, trophy. Who's the centre of attention in that picture? Is it the trophy or is it Roger Federer? Roger Federer. What is the trophy there to do? To draw attention to the achievement of Roger Federer. It's not the trophies, is it? The trophy's there so that everybody gathered around centre court and all the people who would have been here with their paparazzi cameras and everything else, so that they understand who they're looking at. They're looking at the greatest of all time when it comes to long term. What is the church? Who are all the people who will be gathered, raised with Christ at the end of the age? They're trophies. That's what they are. We will be trophies. The centre of attention won't be on us, the centre of attention will be on the greatest of all time. Come here. Jesus Christ. We will be the centre of attention. And we will be there so that he can go, can you see our kindness? Can you see what I've done? Can you see my achievement? That in dying on the cross and being raised again, I died for them. And I've shared my life with them. And they will have it with me for that. We're trophies. I don't know where Roger Trent fellow keeps his Wimbledon trophies. I imagine it's in somewhere pretty special when he looks after them. If the point of saving people is so that in the future they will be a trophy to God's kindness, do you think God's going to allow them to get lost? The point of saving us, making us alive with Christ, raising us with Him now, is so that in the future we show how kind He is. We show Him the greatest in the world. He's not going to let us get lost. We'll say this, this is the full picture and the after picture. And the difference is huge. It's the difference between being dead forever and alive forever. But it is forever. This is not the kind of before and after picture where you go back to the before. You split that because the spark is gone. Because it's not a one-off charging clear by now you It's God's power comes into our lives and keeps us going. We're grafted into a tree to have fruitful life. That is the promise. So we came in this morning and thinking, I'm not sure being a Christian makes a big difference. Actually makes all the difference in life. Actually your future and your forever future. But also the power by which you live says, it's not a problem, it's not a problem. Something you do for a couple of hours, a few times a week. It is a life. With the greatest of 